We are back with another edition of Behind the Vinyl. I'm here with Nicholas. Yes, sir. And uh, this week we're, we're going over the uh, debut album, the debut self-titled album from Van Halen. Oh, yes. Van Halen 1, often referred to. Yeah. Um, but it's actually Van Halen, Van Halen. It is. Um, yeah, come out in uh, February. 10th of February. 10th of February, 1978. Yes. Absolutely. So let's start it off with um, the opening track from the record, Running With The Devil. And we're back, running with the devil. Um, one song that they uh, shot a video for, and uh, you have um, Michael Anthony starts off that that bass intro, doom, doom, doom. He plays that with his teeth in the video. I've never seen that. No, uh, but he does, and I think he does that. He did that thing live as well, where it was supposed to look like he was playing it with his teeth. But when I interviewed him, he said, ah, of course I didn't do that. <laughs> it would hurt his teeth. He's a pretty cool cat. He's a really cool guy. He's a really cool guy. Um, got to talk to him uh, for, for yeah, an hour about mostly Van Halen stuff when we were supposed to talk about chicken foot. But, right, yeah, yeah. 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 But seemed like a really cool guy, definitely. <clears throat> he, he rang the house once. I think yeah. I've told you this story. And uh, I walked in, my ex-wife was talking to this person when I walked in and I kind of come in and dropped my bag and got a drink and just did some shit and she's talking. Obviously, I'm thinking she's talking to one of her friends. Yeah. Then like 45 minutes later, she goes, well, he's actually home now. Let me grab him. And she's like, hey, I got someone on the phone for you. And I'm like, who is it? What was your name again? Uh, he's, it's Michael Anthony from Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? That's like the coolest phone call ever. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but but Van Halen, that first album uh, is is it is my probably my favorite album, Van Halen album, along with 1984, the last one they did. Yep. With the classic lineup, and I actually actually read somewhere that uh, the first album is is uh, Diamond Dave's favorite album as well. I, I've I've heard that before as well. Yeah. I also read that. Uh, I'm guessing 84 is the biggest selling one, but then after that, Volume 1, you know, Van Halen 1 is, yeah, um, yeah. is the biggest selling one. And those two both have these uh, Diamond Awards in the US. They've both sold more than 10 million records each. That's 10 million records, man. That's uh, a lot of records. That's a lot of records. Yeah. But that, that, the whole story about Van Halen is, is that I remember, or I've read that, that uh, Rodney Bingenheimer, who was this, I guess, DJ kind of guy in L.A., uh, he uh, he saw them at Gasaris, this legendary club where they played. A lot of bands played. Absolutely, Gasaris was right on the strip, next to, um, kind of next to the Rainbow. Right, something Rox- like Rox that. Roxy's on one side, Gasaris, which then turned into the Key Club. Exactly, um, is right next to it. Yeah, um, a little bit bigger. You know, right, to, right. To me, it seemed a lot bigger than. than I think Gazaris had actually had like three different stages or something. Right. Uh, uh, and um, well, he saw them, and then he brought. He told Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons came down to to look at them, take a look at them, and when they played live, and that was 1976. Gene liked what he saw, uh, brought them to New York, recorded a demo with them, 
three which tracks, is out right? there. Three, three track demo. Uh, I think it's more actually because those those demos have showed up later on. I think it was more actually more songs than than just three, but great songs. Yeah. Now just to go on a side note, um, earlier last year or mid last year, Gene Simmons released his um, um, oh the, the vault, vault, the vault, right, with yeah, all all his. Stuff that he's written. Yeah. Now there was a couple of tracks from Van Halen on yeah. that. That were obviously from that session as well. Uh, no, those were later on. Those were from uh, around nineteen, because the demo is from nineteen seventy six, and I think those are, well, maybe they are around. But I think I read somewhere that they're from nineteen seventy seven, and those songs were tracks that ended up on on the Love Gun album, and it's Alex Van Halen and Eddie Van Halen playing on them. Right. And and then he just when they when Kiss recorded Love Gun, um they just had um Ace kind of mimic uh the way uh Eddie Van Halen played it. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. That's really so Eddie Van Halen even influenced the sound of Kiss, basically. In a way, yeah. And there's all these there's always been these rumors that I think when Ace uh quit the band nineteen eighty two, they wanted and even before that, that they wanted Eddie Van Halen as a new guitar player. Dave Roth has said that as well, that he was pissed off that they were trying to get... Trying to poach Eddie Van Halen. Exactly, yeah. <clears throat> but I don't know the truth and all that, but, yeah. you know. It wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me because Ace, obviously, you know, there's, it's questionable who was playing on those early Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. without saying too much. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So He was always missing in action. Absolutely. I also read somewhere that the album Van Halen 1, it was recorded for um, 130 bucks. Might have been. It sounds really cheap. No, I, I, yeah, actually, I'm lying there. I'm totally lying. That's something else. <laughs> that would be really cheap. It's like you get three guitar picks. Exactly. <laughs> Forget I said that. I'm just, I'm just zoning out at the moment. Anyway, let's move on. Let's play some music. Um, Eruption. Classic track. Let's play this. This is, and then we'll talk more about this in a second. That was uh, the the classic instrumental track from Van Halen One uh, Eruption. That was a piece of music that Eddie Van Halen used to play live when they were out playing gigs. Uh, and um, the story goes that when they were in the studio, uh, they recorded in at Sunset Studios, I think, in L.A. And he. Eddie Van Halen was playing Eruption as because they were doing a gig at the Whiskey A Go Go. And Ted Templeman, the producer, heard him play, wondered what it was, hit record. They recorded it. And I think Eddie Van Halen has said that the version that ended up on the album was the second or third take. I, I've heard the second take. Yeah. yeah. And there's a mistake, according to Eddie Van Halen. Oh, really? uh, at the beginning of it, there's something he 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 fucked it up, and he's been pissed off ever since. Because every time he hears it, there's something he could have done better. He says, wow. "I don't have no idea what it is." Because well, I that, couldn't tell. No, that that piece of music alone has influenced so many yeah. guitar players. Oh, yeah. Obviously, the, his sound and his playing on the album. But, yeah. But eruption. Yeah. It just everyone, everyone from the Slash to the oh yeah 
to the Steve Vyse, to the uh, oh yeah, um, you know, to the Tom Morellos, to the Zach Wells, to the probably everyone else, Paul Gilbert's yeah, sure. that everyone else have followed. Uh, by the way, it cost forty thousand to record. Oh, there the you album go. In three weeks, yeah, it was quick, and it was most. I also read that it was mostly done live to get that life in. I mean, they had been playing live for a long time in LA. Yeah. And they were a well-known band in LA. Yeah. Um, but um, then, uh, um, yeah, Ted Templeman, the producer, Mo Austin, who was also at Warner Brothers, yeah. they came to see them in 1977 at the Starwood, I believe. Right, okay. And they just kind of signed them right away. Right, yeah. And then they recorded uh, the album. Right. Um, but... Um, no, it's just. Uh, I think a couple of guitar overdubs and and that was sure. I've heard it's yeah and, yeah. And I read somewhere the other day that they literally played everything they had. Yeah, you know this is this is uh, and that's one of the reasons why they did it live as well. They just Absolutely, went in and played every every song. So there's probably not much hanging around that isn't included there. Uh, no, I mean there there are. There are a bunch of demos out there. I got several of stuff they recorded in 76 and 77. Uh, there were a bunch of demos that turned into real songs on the A Different Kind of Truth album, the last album they did in 2012 with David Roth. Okay, cool. Um, and you also had, I mean, they had House of Pain was a demo from 1976 or 77. I think that one is on the Gene Simmons demo. And House of Pain ended up on 1984, several years later. Um, so, uh, yeah, there, I think Van Halen were known for using old stuff that they had recorded, uh, and just kind of fixing them and bringing them up to date and stuff like that. So, uh-huh. but, um, no, just a classic album. Uh, I think we said this before. I've said it before that, um, I can't remember who I interviewed, um, but who said that, that the last track of the album on fire was always usually the opening track. And for some reason it out being ended up being the last track on the album. Wow. And also, it was also nearly going to be a single. I yeah. Think. Or I think yeah. it might have even been a single. Uh, I can't remember. It's Running <laughs> yeah, it, with the Devil. And, it, it was. And, uh, you Really Got Me. And... You Really Got Me, Running with the Devil, uh, Jamie's Crying, On Fire. Right. And I Ain't Talking About Love. Yeah. So let's um let's play a track. Let's play uh, You Really Got Me, um, originally written by the Kinks. Yep. Um, and... Uh, Eruption flows into You Really Got Me uh, pretty easy. So let's check it out. Got me Van Halen. That, that's I can't remember whether that was the first time I heard that song, but to me, it's always been a, a Van Halen song. Yeah, I it's think that of, was the uh, that was probably the first Kink song I ever heard. Right. Yeah. Um, kind of like um, um, 
Held to Skelter by Motley Crue was the first. Exactly. <laughs> was like the first time I heard Held to Skelter. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, and, and the way Eruption just flows into it, it, it's literally like one song. It's like yeah. a, a, a guitar solo yeah. opening oh, really yeah. got me and then and then straight in. Oh, yeah. It's, it's wonderful. It is. It, it's just a crazy, that Eruption is a crazy piece of music. But also, as you said, you really got me. And, and, and Van Halen did a lot of covers. And they did another Kinks cover on Diver Down, Where Have All the Music Gone? Right. Um and um and they, the, the covers they did were usually just really really good and they Van Halenized them in a way I think mostly because of of Eddie Van Halen's playing that turned them into a Van Halen song yeah yeah and and Eddie obviously is playing is um it's few people I'm I'm guessing it's probably Ed Van Halen before that probably Jimi Hendrix yeah the people that have had that much impact um, true on. Uh, on changing the guitar. I oh, can't yeah. think of anyone, you know, you could argue Tom Morello, but not to the extent no. anyone that has changed guitar playing since right. maybe Steve Vai. Yeah, maybe. You know, uh, he's probably up there. But not to the level that Eddie Van Halen is. No, uh, not at all. I think the whole tapping thing, I mean, tapping had been done before that. And yeah. I know there's an, there's a guy in LA who Eddie Van Halen used to play with that was doing all the tapping stuff. But then when, Eddie Van Halen started doing it. That's when it turned into a thing. Absolutely. And and I remember interviewing um, Scott Gorham, who they went to see Van Halen when they were touring with Black Sabbath in the U.S. on that first tour in 1978. Yep. And um, and Scott Gorham and Gary Moore were standing there watching the show, and Gary, all of a sudden Gary Moore was missing, and they didn't know where he was. And then they found out that he went straight home to his hotel room uh, and started practicing tapping all night really and then when the next day for the sound check for Thin Lizzy uh, Gary, Gary Moore was during the sound check doing all this tapping stuff just because he wanted to show that he could do it as well well love a great yeah. story <laughs> it's really really cool sounds like Gary actually <laughs> yeah also no no I totally forgot I was, I was thinking of something else but also when when um, um, uh, when they were going out on that first tour, they got Noel Monk, who had just come off the Sex Pistols tour, uh, uh, a short tour of the southern states in the U.S., uh, with the the last gig being in San Francisco uh, at what's it called, Winterland, where you have uh, Johnny Rotten saying those famous words, ever get the feeling you've been cheated? Yeah. Um, so Noel Monk gets the question of, do you want to be the tour manager for Van Halen? He had no idea who Van Halen was and he agreed to it. First time he hears Van Halen is actually, I think on the second or third date of the tour. Really? That's the first time he hears Van Halen. Oh my God. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> and, uh, and also there's, there's a funny story that I found out that, uh, I interviewed the photographer who took the these iconic photos that are on the uh, Van Halen album? Elliot Gilbert. Exactly, and it's always every time you you Google for that first album, you you Google for stories. The story is that those those shots were taken at the Whiskey A Go Go. Yeah, that's what I always um, thought. But they weren't. He told me they were shot in his studio. They were playing a live show in his small studio, and he was just shooting them. And uh, he said that he remembered Michael Anthony did this thing that where he was kind of twirling around with his bass and he aimed the bass at him. And um, Elliot said that he got so mesmerized and it was so electric that he had to take a break and go outside. 
because he was just so, it was just so intense. Whoa. And he said that it was nothing erotic and <laughs> nothing to do with that, but it was so electrifying the whole thing that he needed to take a break, go outside, get some air and then go in and keep shooting. That's pretty cool. It's really cool. And also the the photo on the on the back of the album you have David Lee Roth bending backwards and he said they David Lee Roth tried to do that over and over and over again. And Elliot all, all, um, also went um, up to him, helped him to, to hold him so he could bend backwards. And then they kept shooting and shooting and shooting. And then just like finally they got like one shot where he didn't fall over. And that's the shot. On the back, on the back side cover. of the uh, album, which which is a great shot. That's it is. Really it's shot. it's uh, it's amazingly cool. It's really cool. And also on the inner sleeve, you have them all. They're all sweaty. Yeah. Uh, there's like uh, four individual pictures. Uh, David Lee Roth closing his eyes. They're all sweaty and uh, looks like they've played a show. And he said the whole look of that was to kind of get that look when. Asked if they had just had sex or something. That was the look he was going for. Right, okay. Yeah. Okay. So that was a cool story. That's a great story. Yeah. And go- going back to the cover, you'll see um, that is uh, the Frankenstrat. Yeah. Eddie Van Halen's holding the Frankenstrat. The yep. the beginning of what turned out to be his classic. You right. Know, you see it now, red, red, white, and black. Yeah. Um, but that's that's actually that guitar. That's the Frankenstrat. And now that cost 130 bucks. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> there we go. Which, but also, and it's probably one of the, I would say it's probably one of the most expensive guitars around at the moment if he was to ever sell it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But all that stuff that he, he, he used tape, uh, that he used tape and then he painted the guitar and all that. Yep. Um, I remember seeing pictures of, I can't remember what band, but it was another guy playing some L.A. band years before who did the exact same thing. Oh, really? So the, the, the rumor was that Ed Van Halen must have picked up on that somewhere. Well, well, much like the tapping, you know? Yep. Eddie Van Halen kind of stole that, and he possibly stole the, the paintwork yep. job. Yep. What he also did is he, he kind of, he kind of it's called the Frankenstrat because it's made up of different pieces exactly. of this and different pieces exactly. of Exactly, yeah. And uh, he tried to basically make it into a – Make it look and feel like a Strat, but sound like a Gibson. Yeah. So he's got Gibson pickups in there. Um, he also put a false neck pickup. I remember reading once, just right. to, to fool people, because oh, okay. uh, once he started to get quite famous and quite well known, guitar companies everywhere were trying to copy him. Right. So okay. He would, he would put these little, like he put a toggle switch in there. Um, he put a, a neck pickup which he never used, which right. was just a fake thing, just to try to throw people off. Okay. Trying to copy a sound. That's cool. Yeah. I actually saw a YouTube video with Dweezil Sapa just recently, which was a new video where he's at, I think it's like Guitar Center in LA. Right, yeah. And he's got a Van Halen, original Van Halen guitar that was given to him, through, uh, I think, from Ed Van Halen. And it's one of those guitars. It's more colorful. It's it, it's a, it's kind of like this, uh, the Frankenstrat, but uh, it's more like blue, orange, green, yellow. Right, it's okay. a weird-looking guitar. But um, he played it, and and um, it looked really cool. Just just a thing that to have that original Eddie Van Halen guitar that he actually played on. Yeah. In like the late late seventies, early eighties. Well, you know where the other one that was on Van Halen too. You know where that is? No. That's that's in the coffin with Dimebag Daryl. Oh right, that was the one. Yeah, right. That was yeah, the yeah. Actual yeah. guitar from from Van yeah. Halen two on the cover of Van Halen two. 
not on the cover, on the back cover. Yeah, I think it is, yeah. On Van Halen too. That actual guitar was always Dimebag's favorite. Right. So when when Dimebag was killed, right, Eddie put that inside the coffin. All right. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, let's play some music. Um, what do we play? We played "You Really Got Me." Probably my favorite song. Ain't talking about love. Oh yeah. So I love this riff. This riff is just sensational. Yeah. Killer. Uh, it's quite amazing that that this album spawned "Running with the Devil" eruption. You you really got me. I ain't talking about love. Um, all classics and all 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 still, songs still that they day. they've been playing to this day. Yeah, absolutely. So here's I ain't talking about love. <laughs> Talking about Love Van Halen on Behind the Vinyl. So they're all like 20, what was, Eddie was like 23 and I think Alex was 25. Alex and Michael were 25. Yeah, really young. Really, really young. See, Michael Anthony, I think, is is the secret weapon with this band. Yeah, his background vocals uh, were essential. The, you know, everything like that. Yeah. uh, It's really cool. Yeah, he, he he had a great part. But Van Halen was funny. Van Halen, they were one of those bands that split. If you look at all the songs, I think all songs up till 1984 were split four ways. Didn't matter who played on it. It's it, it got all all the names on there. Yeah, um, which is which is something that you too do. Yeah, as long yeah. as as long as everyone, I remember reading someone talking about this. As long as everyone chips in. In some way, even if it's not songwriting, yeah. it's if they actually put back into the band. Yeah, you know, be it interviews or be it this or be it whatever. Right. Um, I think it was you two that said it's 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 a great thing okay. to do. Now next week we're going to do um, Skid Row. So tune right. in next week. We're yeah. going to do the debut album from Skid Row, and there's a story about that. Okay. In regards to the songwriting. Yeah, because I can see that once you start. I mean, it's it's a it's a great thing to have but i can see as you perhaps get bigger and bigger and you sell more and more records that it ends up being a problem because there's someone who's not contributing to to the songwriting and the others get pissed off and then when you have you know exactly oh there's there's one or two people that are writing every single exactly song and yeah everyone's benefiting yeah. and and vice versa right there's one or two people in in Twisted Sisters case. Right, right. There's one person, D. Yeah. Snyder, writing all the songs. So he's cashing in all the money okay. while the other guys aren't getting anything. Oh, right. From, from yeah. publishing. Oh, there you go. So there's, you know, yeah, it, it hurts both ways. I oh, think, sure. I yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that's what happened on the 1984 tour with, with Van Halen when they, they made Michael Anthony sign off all his royalties and all that yeah, stuff. absolutely. You know? And still, they kept on playing. It was just really weird. Yeah. Um, but also, do, do you know what Coney Island whitefish is? I'm going to say no. 
Because the story is always with the brown M and M's with with Van Halen on on, on their um, that was on the rider exactly M and M's and if they would find a brown M and M, they'd be known to pull shows or smash up dressing rooms exactly and, and all that kind of stuff. The do you know the story behind the brown M and M's? Well, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know the story about it. Yeah, yeah, like the reason why they put oh, brown yeah. M and M's, yeah, which kind of makes sense. Absolutely, it really makes sense. Absolutely. So anyone who doesn't know and correct me if you've heard something wrong, yep. they put brown M and M's because if brown M and M's do show up, um, they realize that no one has checked the rider exactly, and they they think, well, if no one checked the rider for something as simple as right, don't put brown M and M's, it could be a safety problem. Exactly. Yeah. Which, exactly. Which. Which is a little bit bullshit. <laughs> yeah. But when you say it like that, it actually it actually makes sense. Yeah, and it's it's a um, it makes for a great story as well. It makes for a fucking and, great story, and man. There are copies of that actual writer out there, so you can find it if you Google it, where it says absolutely no M and M's, brown M and M's. But no, Coney Island Whitefish, because I interviewed Noel Monk, the manager, and Coney Island Whitefish was that came after the brown M and M's. And it was the same thing. They put that on the rider to to check if people actually read it. The thing was that nobody knew what Coney Island whitefish was, which meant that they got all kinds of fish on their rider for a long, long time. Uh, but Coney Island whitefish was um, um, the condoms that were washed up on the beach on Coney Island after because it was a well that was a beach well known beach where people used to go young people used to go to have sex and then when they were done they would throw the throw the used condom in the ocean and that would all wash up on the on the beach that was the Coney Island whitefish Coney Island. Yeah. really yeah. that's pretty funny though. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the the rider is a funny it's a funny little beast you know like some of the things yeah. you find on it i know um a couple of people ask for weird things yeah. sometimes out of fun. And I know right. John Five asked for a lot of weird things. Okay. And he went through the stage of asking for, he'd always put on his rider, I, I want a bald pussy. Okay. <laughs> you know, and he just put it for a joke. All right, you know? yeah. And, and whatever stage in his life, he was yeah. like, I just, uh, I just want a bald pussy. Right. And he turned up at Japan one day and, and, there, sitting in a little cage, yeah. was a hairless cat. No. <laughs> Absolutely. And he thought that was so cool. He thought that was so cool. That's the greatest ever. <laughs> I love that. That is so cool. That is so cool. No, but Van Halen also on, on that first tour, they went out with Journey and Montrose. Mon- yeah, Montrose. Now, Ted Templeton also produced Montrose, right? Exactly. He produced the first one and I believe the second one with Sam Hagar. But... Um, when Van Halen toured with them in '78, um, that was after um, after Sammy Hagar had left the band. Absolutely. Now, I, I wonder if if there was any. I wonder if Ted Templeman or whether um, they were aware of Montreux for whatever because of the touring or something. Yeah. Because I always heard the reason why the connection between Van Halen and Sammy Hagar right. was the Lamborghini. Um, salesman, exactly, or Lamborghini mechanic, exactly, something yep. like that. Yep. Whoever, I think it was mechanic. Whoever yep. worked on Eddie's Lamborghini was working on Sammy. Hager's. Was working out on Sammy's, and yep. that's how they got connected. Exactly, yeah. Which is again another another great story. Sure, but also in in hindsight, they'd cross ways with uh, Montrose. And yeah, obviously. Sammy Hager was a lot bigger star in America than people realize. Yeah, yeah, you know, over yeah, here. yeah. So. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think 
Ted Templeman absolutely had something to do with it in, in some way. Uh, he must have. Um, but that's also, I mean, they used Ted Templeman for for all those albums from, from 1978 to 1984 with David Roth. Um, not, not a long time when you think about it. Not at all. Yeah. That's that, the weird David thing. David Roth was in Van, Van Halen for eight years. Yeah. Six of those years yeah. are the recording years. Yeah. yeah. So they come out with um, Van Halen 1, Van Halen 2. Um, Women and Children first. Women and Children first. And Diver Down Diver Down, 84. Yeah. You know? That's a lot of records because yeah. um, Van Halen 2 come out literally a year later in yeah. 1979. Yeah. So in March. Yeah. So they, they were pretty prolific. It's like Kiss. Kiss Kiss were writing two albums a year. Exactly. Years. I guess it were you know, different times. They were touring all the time. They needed yeah. new material. and I also think that that goes back to the whole thing with the record labels kind of building a band exactly. back then that yeah. you, you got – you were able to um, get the time and the money and all that to actually come up with stuff and, and build a band. You you probably got more chances than you do today. Yep. Uh, so it was it was totally different back then. But um, no, Van Halen. Um, there's that first that first tour. They they toured the U.S. with Black Sabbath. They toured Europe with Black Sabbath. And they, they were did, all, yeah. all the crazy shenanigans with, with Ozzy Osbourne and the rest of them, and they were all doing cocaine. And Geezer Butler. Didn't Geezer Butler pull a knife on – or maybe that was on Malcolm Young. I think that was Malcolm Young, yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah. Now that I think about yeah. It, yeah. But they were all crazy, and they were all – and that was the same thing. Black Sabbath, that was the, the final – ended up being like the final tour with Ozzy Osbourne because they were kind of uh, – they were all coked up and 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 oh, yeah. so on, and then you have these youngsters blowing them off the stage almost every night, uh, both in in the U.S. and um, and in in Europe. Um, so Van Halen did well on that first tour. Absolutely. But um, yeah, there's uh, there, there's some cool books out there. There's there's one called Van Halen Rising uh, by Greg Renoff. I recommend it. It's about those. First years when Van Halen formed up until the first album, when they played all these backyard parties and and all that stuff. I mean, it's a great read, lots of really cool pictures. And um, and then you had Noel Monk's book, which came out last year or the year before that, Running with the Devil. Yep, absolutely. Uh, tons of cool stories in there about Van Halen. That's the first time I found out about the whole thing with Michael Anthony on 1984 and all that. Uh, Ian Christie put out a book called uh, The Van Halen Saga a few yep. years back. The the David Roth Crazy From the Heat book is a killer one. That's a great story. Uh, that's, that's a, a funny that's one. a different read, but that's it a, is, yeah, absolutely. It's a totally different read, but that's that's a great, great book. Yeah. And also the thing I remember because I, I remember I interviewed Greg Renoff who who wrote Van Halen Rising. We talked about like Jagger and Rich, Richards and you have uh, Ed Van Halen and David Roth and it's kinda like they're like these they're total opposites in a way and 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 and, and um it they're so and somehow they made it work because i think ed van halen and david roth there were always this rumor i think that they never really got along right, but it yeah. worked it worked for the band well the rumor, rumor was that um obviously david Lee roth come from a relatively good background Sure, he still lives in in the in, mansion in, in the where family, he grew up family in Pasadena. Home. Yeah, yeah Pasadena. His father was a uh, was, eye doctor, I think, was an eye doctor, yeah. and also did a lot of charity work. Yeah, 
his his uncle was um, in New York. Used to have the um, Cafe Wa. Cafe Wa. Yeah, absolutely. Which yeah. which was the birthplace of a lot of the uh, of the New York scene. Oh yeah. So he he lived a very cultural and um, absolutely and, uh, kind of more upper class. Yeah. But then again, so did the Van Halens. Not so much upper class, but they're they're. You know, they used to play with their father. Their yep. father was a musician yep. as well. Yep. Um, they played in his band, I think. Yep, they did. Um, played like bar mitzvahs and, and things like that. Exactly, yeah. So. And then you have Michael Anthony, who was, whose real name is Sobolowski or something. It's, it's right. like a Polish name, whatever it is. Right, yeah. And then he changed it. I think he perhaps were more, more of a working class kind of guy or something right. like that. More of a traditional Pasadenian. Probably, yeah. And he seems to be like the more he seems to be like the the normal one he seems of those so normal, of man. those three. Absolutely. Because uh, if you heard stories of uh, of all the other three, um, Neil Slauser said that Alex Van Halen was absolutely the most crazy one yeah. when it came to the 1984 tour. I've I've heard that as well. Yeah, that he was just unbelievable. And then you have Eddie Van Halen, who's who's a genius, but I think he's you know he's got his science as well. And Dale Roth maybe uh a killer front man and so on, but I think he's a real difficult kind of guy to to work with as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, different kinds of egos yes. in a way. And then you have Michael Anthony in there. And then kind of leveling it up. And But I also heard that they wanted to replace Michael Anthony pretty early on. With, oh, yeah. With Billy Sheen. With Billy Sheen, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> so, um, you know, I think maybe the fact that he was so normal and so, so – uh, regular Joe. Yeah. You know, despite the fact he's an amazing bass player. Oh, sure, yeah. Great backing vocal. Yeah. Like I said, he's a bit of the secret weapon. Yeah. I think they kind of maybe didn't have the respect for him that um That's probably true. That, that they should have. That's probably true. You know, yeah. What what they think about David Lee Roth, I thought, who knows? You know, I think he he kind of got the gig primarily because he had a PA system. That was it, yes. And and he got he also he got he got kind of like and we're talking like the early stages of Van Halen back in like 74, 75, that he got kind of sacked from the band or he didn't audition for a band and they just thought his voice wasn't up to par and, and he didn't get the gig. And then he kind of took that, went home, practiced more, blah, blah, blah. And then he came back, did it again. And then he was in Van Halen. And he he says that he came up with the name as well. They were called Mammoth. Yep, of course. Um, and before that, they'd been called... Genesis, but that's when they realized there's another Genesis. Yeah. And uh, they changed the mammoth. And then he apparently said that, you know, Van Halen, kind of like Santana. Uh, yeah. And they went for it. Yep. Love it. Alrighty, let's play another song. This is uh, Jamie's Crying. Special on Behind the Vinyl. We're talking about the first album from 1978. <clears throat> One of those classic ones that, uh, you know, a lot of musicians cite as an influence. 
Absolutely, and probably probably one of the uh, one of the best debut albums in the rock world. There's a few. There's yeah. a lot of great ones. Yeah. Like uh, like I like I said, next week we are doing. Yeah. We're going to do uh, Skid Row's debut album. Um, we've also got um, you know, there's Guns and Roses debut, oh, hell yeah. debut album, which Absolutely. was amazing. Oh yeah. Uh, Motley Crue's. Yep. Uh, Metallica, Kill 'Em All. Yep. You know, there's a lot of great debut albums that yep. are. Yep. That are that are monstrous. Yeah. And. Um, but this is probably one of the one of the top ten, I'd say. At least. Yeah, and also that I I've always thought that Van Halen really had a sound of their own. They always called it big rock for yeah. for some reason, but they really had a different kind of sound um, and a, a different kind of show with David Lee Roth. You kind of just get the feeling that he was born to be on stage. Uh, not the greatest singer. And not the greatest singer live ever, no, no, but it was, worked. Uh, you know, there's 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 a singer and there's a front man. Oh sure, you yeah. know, and definitely when you come to the argument with Sammy Hagar, yeah, in regards to who's the greatest singer, who's the greatest front man, yeah, because Sammy Sammy Hagar can hold a note probably better than David. Oh sure, Rock, yeah, yeah, but he also doesn't have that pizzazz. No, that David Lee Roth, not has. at all. You know, it's not the at greatest all. Front man, it has to be David Lee Roth. Yeah. Um, I used to jog, but the ice cubes get falling out of my drink. That's one of his best quotes ever. Love it. <laughs> Love it. I also read once that he said he doesn't jog. No, right. Yeah. He, he's like, I run, man. I'm, I'm running with the devil. Yeah. And I thought that was uh, that was pretty I, cool. I can see that. And he had all those karate moves or whatever. He was always into that. Look, this is a guy that's that's like he's a he's an athlete. Yeah, definitely. You know? Like you're not pulling off those moves that he no, did and those kicks no. that he did and and the the sword work. Oh hell yeah! Um, and the kicks and all that. And it was just you're, unbelievable. You're not just pulling that off. That's years and years. Of yeah, 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 your, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, honing your craft of being Definitely. a martial artist. So, Definitely. Yeah. Oh, that was one crazy guy. That's for sure. Alrighty, so that was um, Van Halen's debut album. Um, <laughs> hell yeah. Check it out. Go and listen to it. Stream it. Buy it. Steal it. Do whatever you got to do. <laughs> Check it out. It's definitely yeah. worthy of being in your um, in your collections. Yeah, and and one of these days, because I have that story as well. One of these days, I'm going to tell the story about the uh, Van Halen logo because there's a cool thing about that one as well. You must. Yes. Absolutely.